Yeah. All right, glad no, no. you're with us. I mean, all What time is he coming on? I'm co- oh, Don right. Jr.? I, it, are we going to air it at 5? All right. Wait, wait, wait. What are you talking about? Welcome to the NBC debate. I um, oh, can you hear us? I am your conspiracy theorist host, I'm actually not Roswell sure. Rachel Maddow, and host of Meet the Press. Oh, wait, is he going to off next week? Yeah, I think we're having a little mic issue, guys, in the background. Oh, We're having a little mic issue. Oh, God. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> do, do we need an engineer that actually knows what they're doing? Yeah, well, Maybe we should call me. NBC. <laughs> For that, how did Roswell Rachel Maddow get to be a part of that Maybe debate? you should explain to our audience what we just uh, reenacted. Yeah, well, for them. yeah, that was a reenactment of the uh, Democratic debate last night run by NBC. Stella, Stella performance. Stella performance. And then they, uh, you know, changed hosts mid- midway through the debate and. They go to Roswell, Rachel Maddow, and Chucky e. Todd, and uh, it wasn't working out well because they had hot mics on. And can the producers please, please shut this up? What is happening here? Many of you are calling for a restoration of an assault weapons ban, but even if implemented, there will still be hundreds of millions of guns in this country. Should there be a role for the federal government? Your other mics are on. Uh, everybody's mics are on. I, I think we have a. I heard that too. That's okay. I think we had a little mic issue in the back. Control room, we've got contrary we have the, I audio. think we heard, yeah, we have the audience audio. <laughs> All right. So the question is simply this. We're, ta- we're from, I apologize, you guys didn't get to hear this, uh, the first part of the question. Obviously, we're not far from Parkland, Florida. But even if it's put in place, there's still going to be perhaps hundreds of millions of guns still on the streets. Is there a role for the federal government in order to play in order to get these guns off the streets? Someone's got my finger. <laughs> What's happening? We are hearing our colleagues' audio. I, if the control room can turn off the mics. If the, if the control room can turn off the mics of our previous moderators, we will. I think it's the prior moderators. You know, we prepared for yes. everything. Guess what, guys? We are going to take a quick break. We're going to get this technical uh, situation fixed. We will be right back. You're fired. Uh, yeah. But by the way, it's what you'd expect from fake news conspiracy TV anyway, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Uh, and well, you know, look, technical glitches happen. What are you going to do? Uh, we prepared for everything. We didn't prepare for this. I'm glad you're with us. 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of this uh, extravaganza. Now, over speaking of NBC News, hosting the Democratic Extreme Radical Socialists on the stage last night, and even they are recognizing they're so depressed about the way the candidates handle themselves that they're pronouncing the winner of last night's debate, Donald Trump. Um, and they, but the big winner of the first debate, uh, the Republican commander-in-chief, by the way, was on his way to an economic summit. The G20 in Japan emerged from the, you know, all of this unscathed, barely mentioned. Uh, although that was probably a strategy going in. But I promise you that's all going to change. Um, but what you did get, besides being dull, repetitive, loud, and boring most of the time, you know, 10 candidates in the room, um, you know, competing against one another to appeal, to appeal basically to the narrowest subset of radical Democrats. There's no such thing as a moderate Democrat anymore. They don't exist you know, they're an extinct political brand. 
I think the last one we had was Senator Joe Lieberman, and then he lost his primary in Connecticut and then ran as an independent, did win. But, you know, when you kick out the former vice presidential candidate of your own party just a few years after he ran, you got yourself a problem. Um, and that is where the Democratic Party is right now. You know, this, like they forget that the the men... You know, the guy who's been at pretty much the discussion of everything Democratic the last two years, and they're going to be competing against next year, that has more charisma than all of them combined on an awful day. You know, it's it's not good. Then you got to look at where they are. This is not a party that is governing. This is not a party that's offering solutions. You know, the American people have certain expectations of government. One is, you know, they're all supposed to be public servants. They're supposed to serve the American people. And, you know, when Hollywood even gets it right and Hollywood says, yeah, uh, that was a disaster. Um, Bill Maher says, you know, right out of the box, they couldn't answer the first question about, well, 70 percent of Americans think the economy is going pretty darn good. How do you deal with that? They won't admit a simple, basic, fundamental truth about the economy because they're just so full of Trump rage and hate. And what they're asking is they want to go back not only to the Obama years, which economically and foreign policy wise were a disaster. They want they want to go much further than that. So their their main obsession of this new radical, extreme Democratic Socialist Party is hating Trump. You know, now they want a fifth investigation into Russia collusion, but that's blowing up in their face. Robert Mueller is going to blow up in their face when he testifies, uh, when the Republicans ask him fair and tough questions about, you know, how did you not find a single Republican? How do you hire Hillary's former attorney? How do you hire somebody like Andrew Weissman with his atrocious track record? You know, how do you, you know, talk about and, and investigate endlessly and exhaustively, you know, things like taxi medallions and FARA violations and tax accounts, which, you know, I, I get it. You had a broad mandate and ignore the dirty Russian dossier that was disseminated and leaked to the American people for the purposes of driving votes and rigging an election. Russian lies. Uh, how do you not look into the dirty dossier, the Russian dossier that is unverifiable, but your buddy, your friend, your pal, James Comey, is the one that signed off on it as having been verified when its own author says it's unverifiable. They got, he's got a lot of tough questions here. And you look at, you know, all of these candidates are just trying to go further and further and further extreme left, um, which is not bad if you are happy with the conservative policies that are working. You know, there's basic fundamental truths in life. And Obama's record now is what it is. Nobody ever talked about it, just like they never vetted him. From the day Barack Obama hit the public stage and hope and change and yes, we can, you know, was, you know, echoed by the loving news media that, you know, it's like Obamagasms is how I described it at the time. I mean, they could not control themselves or like Chris Matthews. I, 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 I can't believe it. I'm having a thrill up running up and down my leg. All right, down boy, hang on there, relax, calm down. The feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech, my, I felt this thrill going up my leg. I had a thrill running up and down my leg. I mean, where did that come from? But it prevents the vetting of Obama. 
And Obama's, you know, the Choom gang, the Frank Marshall Davis influence. They, I did drugs and I did them enthusiastically. Imagine any candidate on tape actually saying, you know, white man's greed runs a world in need. And all of this stuff were acorn and community organizing and nobody knew anything about it. What, what, what was any of that about? I spent the last two years of high school in a daze, daze. locking away the questions that life seemed insistent on posing. Mm-hmm. I kept playing basketball, attended mm-hmm. classes sparingly, mm-hmm. drank beer heavily, mm-hmm. and tried drugs enthusiastically. Woo-hoo. I discovered that it didn't make any difference whether you smoked reefer in the white classmate's sparkling new van or in the dorm room of some brother you'd met down at the gym mm. or on the beach with a couple of beach. Hawaiian kids who had dropped out of school and now spent most of their time looking for an excuse to brawl. Wow. Sounds like a great life. <laughs> great preparation to be president. Um... But they didn't investigate or care. I mean, it's been a dramatic change. I mean, you know, well, I, I tried I tried it, but I didn't inhale. No, no, I didn't inhale that thing. I just, you know, tried it. Um, which became quintessential Clinton over the years. Uh, you know, little, these things about these guys become very revealing. Well, you know, what is a community organ? What was ACORN? What was black liberation theology that so influenced him to join the church of GD America and America's chickens coming home to roost and Flager and, and, and Ayers and Dorn? And I knew it. We couldn't prove it. Now we can. A relationship with Louis Farrakhan. But they hid that picture as a means of deceiving the American people. I, I doubt Donald Trump would have gotten away with such. Uh, meanwhile, every Republican, it's, you know, look at, look at it. You know, there's one thing, look at Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney, and nobody doubts Mitt Romney's a nice man. He's a good guy. Would have been a much better president. Has the right conservative instincts. Has a good family. He's very different stylistically from Trump, but you know, he was nice and they still called him a, a racist, the sexist, the misogynist. And how dare he have women's resumes, binders of women, and, you know, he cut a kid's hair back in boarding school or wherever he's going to school. You know, it doesn't matter if Mitt Romney's nice. They're going to slander, smirch, smear, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, misogynistic, Islamophobic, dirty air, water, kill children and throw granny over the cliff. It's, it's now it's like it's not even every two and four years. It's every second minute hour of every day, except it's focused on Trump. That's not going to win them in the election. And this, then you add to that, every one of these people has some sick, twisted, ugly version of the new Green Deal. That, that's not going to work either. And I'm just, look, I, I don't even know who half these people are on the stage last night. I'm like, who's that? I have no idea. They have no charisma. Even Ocasio-Cortez said it's like a bunch of high school kids who didn't seem to read the book. That was her description of last night's debate. Not mine. And it got worse from there, and it, it really reveals some insane things that are required if you want to be a, a liberal today, including adopting Ocasio-Cortez's Green Deal or the, the 70% top marginal rate on individuals, 90% top marginal rate on corporations and Medicare for all and immigration, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, have open borders and endless amnesty, et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to be a nation of laws. You know, okay. So they, they in, even their clashes are contrived. There's not a hell of a lot of difference between any of them. They all hate the rich. 
They all want to tax the rich to death. You tax the rich, you tax corporations at the rates they're talking about, and then add a wealth tax to it and then increase the death tax, then you're going to get what New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and California are experiencing and a mass exodus of people. Except this time they'll be leaving the United States for greener pastures that accept freedom. Because everything that they're discussing here has been tried over and over again and has failed spectacularly. You know, you take the one big signature of Barack Obama and Biden, Obamacare. Keep your doctor, keep your plan, pay less. It was, a, it was all a big lie. Millions lost their doctors, millions lost their plans, and everybody paid a lot more, a hell of a lot more. In some cases, 100, 200, 300% more. Well, that didn't exactly work, but now they'll give you Medicare for all and we'll give you, you know, government-sponsored pre-K and we'll indoctrinate your kids even earlier and then government-guaranteed uh, retirement, job, vacation, healthy food, and but we'll have no gas or oil as the lifeblood of our economy. Whoops, no combustion engine and no cows and no airplanes. Well, we'll become a third-world country in about, you know, 10 minutes. But, you know, never mind. The air will be healthier. According to them, I don't know which particular country they're talking about or comparing themselves to. How did uh, fake news, conspiracy TV, MSNBC? So you have the, the country's number one conspiracy theorist, Roswell Rachel Maddow. How did she get to be the person? That asked the questions. Well, in many ways, that has, I, I guess it's, you know, a sign of the times. Because that's where most of these same Democrats are anyway. Buying into hoax, lies, conspiracy theories, believing, you know, anything negative about Trump. You know, all these candidates, all in on amnesty. All in on open borders. All in on tax the rich. All in on Medicare for all, but how did Obamacare work out? How does big business, does anybody know what a business has to do? How did business people become, you know, the enemy of the people? You know, you know, who is this economy really working for? It's, it's doing great for, you know, thinner and thinner slices at the top. What, what world is she living in? We have six million more Americans working uh, Elizabeth Warren, six million more under Donald Trump. We have six million fewer Americans on food stamps. We have the best job market that we've had since 1969. Record low unemployment for every demographic that the Democrats claim that they have a monopoly of compassion on. You know, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workforce, youth unemployment. You know, where did this open border mentality come from? And, you know, I'm I'm watching and I'm listening and everything is going to be free. And then they have, well, what is the greatest geopolitical threat to the United States? Oh, Donald Trump is the answer of some. Climate change is the answer of Cory Booker. Bozo O'Rourke, Corey uh, Elizabeth Warren, you know, it, wait, oh man, you, where do I even start? Mayor Booker, what would you do on day one 
And this is a situation that the next president will inherit. Yes. La situación, la situación ahora es inaceptable. Este presidente ha atacado, ha demonizado los inmigrantes. Es inaceptable. Voy a cambiar este. Congresista, oh, Congresista O'Rourke, ¿qué haría usted en el primer día, si usted es presidente, sobre esta realidad que está ocurriendo? What would you do, Congressman, day one at the White House? Vamos a tratar cada persona con el respeto y dignidad que merecen como humanos. I think of it this way. Who is this economy really working for? It's doing great for a thinner and thinner slice at the top. It's doing great for giant drug companies. It's just not doing great for people who are trying to get a prescription filled. It's doing great for people who want to invest in private prisons, just not for the African-Americans and Latinx whose families are torn apart, whose lives are destroyed, and whose communities are ruined. I think we have a serious problem in our country with corporate consolidation. And you see the evidence of that in how dignity is being stripped from labor. And we have people that work full-time jobs and still can't uh, make a living wage. We see that because consumer prices are being raised by pharmaceutical companies that often have monopolistic holds on drugs. And you see that by just the fact that this is actually an economy that's hurting small businesses and not allowing them to compete. Right now, we have a system that favors those who can pay for access and outcomes. That's how you explain an economy that is rigged to corporations and to the very wealthiest. A $2 trillion tax cut that favored corporations while they were sitting on record piles of cash and the very wealthiest in this country at a time of historic wealth inequality. We are supposed to break up big corporations when they're not serving our democracy. It is not right that the CEO of McDonald's makes 2,100 times more than the people slinging hash at McDonald's. Would your plan cover abortion, Mr. Secretary? Yes, it would. Uh, I don't believe only in reproductive uh, freedom. I believe in reproductive justice. What that means is that just because a woman, or let's also not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female, uh, is poor, doesn't mean they shouldn't have the right to exercise that right to choose. And so I absolutely would cover the right to have an abortion. Senator Warren, would you put limits on, uh, any limits on abortion? I would make certain that every woman has access to the full range of reproductive health care services, and that includes birth control, it includes abortion, it includes everything for a woman. And I want to add on that, it's not enough for us to expect the courts to protect us. 47 years ago, Roe versus Wade was decided, and we've all looked to the courts all that time, as state after state has undermined Roe, has put in exceptions, has come right up to the edge of taking away protection. Your time is up, Senator. It's not true. Anyway, glad you're with us 24 till the top of the hour from this uh, crazy, radical, extreme new de- Democratic Party. I mean, Sean, okay, we're, we're going to ha- Sean, you know, you know. I got an idea. What's the idea? So we were, all, we're all talking. Where, where, where you got? I got a guy. No. Got In a all guy. seriousness. You know I, a have a, I got, I got a guy. Got a what guy. does the guy do? I got a guy. Uh, so I was thinking just a little something something that maybe you should host the next Democratic debate. Oh, we're going to get into this in a second. We're going to talk oh, about. pardon the- me. Pardon me. No, I'm, I'm getting to that. I want to host the, the me, Rush, Levin. 
But you got to host the Democratic debates, not the Republican debates. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be great. Tell your Democratic counterparts and say, to my Democratic colleagues. Here's my buddy Levin. All right. I'm going to ask the question. Nobody else will ask it. No, he can't lead it. You got to lead it. Well, I'll be glad to lead it. I mean, whatever. I don't care. I don't have to be the lead. I just I think need you to be the lead. They're never going to let me host a or or ask a question of any of them. But ever. see, this is how we pose it. We say, you know, just like Hillary Clinton said she didn't care about the other 50 percent of America. But we don't think that about this new, uh, you know, this new selection of candidates. We believe that you want to talk to all of America. You want to be the president of all of America. You want to unify the nation in a view of your, uh, you know, amazing tolerance of your party. And then see how many of them uh, sign up. Uh, none. And why are you even wasting airtime? Because we know the answer to that. Well, that's a nice thing to say. They're not, they're not going to let me get near them. They don't want, listen, how many hours have we offered shift? Uh, cowardly Schiff and Nadler. What do they say when you call them? Yeah, but Schiff doesn't give a shift. That's the problem with no, Schiff. No, he doesn't give a shift at all. Now, if I no, called I him with a slight Russian accent, told him I had some tapes. Of Olga Busova? You know, Olga Busova. Olga Busova. Very, you the, know, naked Trump. Uh, so what are the nature of the compromising? Compromising materials. materials. Okay, uh, the compromise. Busova met the with Busova. Trump uh, in, in uh, New York at some point after mm-hmm. the 2013 Miss Universe. But of course. Uh, yes, Pageant. The compromising material. She got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. <laughs> okay. And, and what's the nature of the compromise? What's the nature? Well, there were uh, pictures of naked Trump. Pictures of naked Trump. And so Putin was made aware yeah. uh, of the the availability of the compromising material. Yes, of course. Uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI uh, would they corroborate this allegation? Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva, mm-hmm. uh, Buseva, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not in the nature of the materials. Yes, but of course, uh, uh, materials, uh, naked Trump, the pictures of naked Trump. Oh, my gosh. Did you send a, show him to Vladimir? Uh, but of course, he saw the, the picture of the naked Trump. Uh, yes. You know uh, what the, I think is the weirdest part about that whole conversation? What, that there are pictures of naked Trump? <laughs> what? That, that's weird. Because that's, everybody knows he's a germaphobe. That there are pictures of, yeah, just like the, the hookers urinating in his bed. Great. Where the pictures the the, the hook is the yeah, pen, the, 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 the taking a, the, a leak. But in I'm the bed. saying, in all seriousness, they go in number one in the bed. Number one. So weird. Oh my god. Sean, Not really? number two. Number, number one. one in the bed. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, so the weird part about it is he says, "Yeah, it's his goddaughter," and I'm thinking to myself, "So your goddaughter <laughs> decides to bring home pictures of a naked American president? Like that's what you're showing? I would never show my godfather that. That's very weird. That whole part is not even talked about." Uh, you know what I'm saying? I haven't even thought about it. I was too focused on the pictures. Take it home to your uncle, there, sweetheart. 
Well, we got uh, the, the, the well, we got two oh, yeah, hookers in the bed uh, and, and, uh, and the Ritz Carlton. And, and, and what are they doing? Uh, the the bit you are peeing in the bed. How do you say? In the, how do you say in English? Uh, they urinate in the bed. They uh, go so number weird. one, number one in the bed. <laughs> Just weird, man. No, well, so what is this idiot shift doing? Is he's he's colluding with Russians, or he thinks of Russians that are giving him dirt on Donald Trump? I'm sure he immediately uh, called the FBI. No, I'm sure he immediately called the FBI, and then this guy he's is like, "Call me, the- call me. I got pictures." Yeah, exactly. Naked throw. <laughs> I can't. I don't know why. I don't know why he cracks me up it because he's such so a funny, and he's really believing it. That's yeah, the that's fun the part. part. He's like, okay, okay, yeah. He thinks, and mm. and then he's out there talking. Well, there might have been collusion with Trump and the Russians. I'm like, hello, and and you can't make the story any better, except that there really was collusion with the Russians. Bought and paid for Russian lies leaked to the American people vis-a-vis ranking members in the intelligence community. And, well, why? To rig the election and make people believe there's pictures of naked Trump and, and two hookers in the bed. They go they go to the bathroom, in the bed, inside the bed. Uh, what, what, what kind of bathroom? Uh, no, 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 not number two, not the bad one, number one, the good one. I mean, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> <laughs> That's how sick it is. What is happening? You, you'd read this dossier and you just know they're full of crap, and it's like, oh my gosh, it became no, the basis full of, of crap, all of this. It wasn't number two. It was not. It was a, they were urinating in the bed. Meanwhile, Donald Trump, well known for his uh, avoidance of, you know, germs. Although he shakes people's hands, no problem at all. That's not what it was, but he's not exactly. You know, you do get sick. I mean, it is a well-known fact that the way you get sick, you shake somebody's hand, you rub your nose, boom, you got what they had on their hands. And there are people that don't clean themselves after they go to the bathroom, which is horrible. That that sure. all happens. Who's doing that? Uh, listen, I've had experiences. I've been, you know, in a urinal and somebody says, oh, Mr. I, I'm like, not now. I can't shake your hand right now. Oh, come on. I swear to God. Come on. I'm not, well, you think I'm making that up? I swear. You're giving us urinal stories at 3.45 in the afternoon. That's good. Wow. People trying to eat their lunches. Listen, I shared the story after Eric Trump, you know, had this incident. I mean, it's horrible what they did to him and spit in his face. By the way, that is an assault. That's correct. Legally speak. That is legally an assault. Lock him up. Lock him up. Um, and I told you what happened to me when I was at that restaurant with Bortz. I, and I didn't mention, I'm being gracious, I didn't mention the restaurant. You're being way too nice. Well, and I could have filed charges, and I ended up not doing it. I mean, they basically said they tainted my food with bodily fluids. Or bo- no, bodily, how do you say it? Um, stuff. Stuff, yeah. yeah Very that's medical term. Very medical term. And uh, then they say, oh, no, no, tells the police, no, I didn't really do it. I just printed it that I did it. I just posted it online that I did it. And everyone, hey, how many people ask me, why do you go to the same five restaurants? There you go. There's the answer, because I trust them. I don't need to go to new places ever again. <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've had my fill of it after that. Um, anyway, so you have, uh, oh, I'm not even gonna have time to get this in. So you have radical conspiracy, the biggest conspiracy theorist in the country, 
Roswell Rachel Maddow. She is one of the hosts last night. Now, let, let me give you a few little... Well, well, let me just play you first. She announces that she describes herself as left of Mao. Just, just a little taste of who she is. Wait a minute. We're about to find out if the new president of our country is going to do what Russia wants once he's commander-in-chief of the U.S. military. We haven't ever had to reckon with the possibility that somebody has ascended to the presidency of the United States to serve the interests of another country rather than our own. What's the corrective to that? How do you remedy that? These are no longer hypothetical questions. This is where we are. He received the Order of Friendship from Vladimir Putin personally, the highest civilian award that Russia gives to non-Russian citizens. Somehow Rex Tillerson ended up as U.S. Secretary of State under Donald Trump, who he'd never met. China and Russia can do this today, now, whenever they want to. In other words, we're relying on their good graces that they're not. And it is like negative 50 degrees in the Dakotas right now. What would happen if Russia killed the power in Fargo today? All right, then the one I wanted to play where she describes herself as left of Mao. Play that. Having been involved in a lot of different liberal groups over time as somebody who's left roughly to the left of Mao. Then she says that the inauguration speech of Trump, you know, uh, dark America first, like Hitler supporters. Listen to this. This was a workmanlike uh, speech. He, it was short and he went through it quickly. And it was, it was militant and it was dark. The crime, the gangs, the drugs, this American carnage, disrepair, decay. You can't imagine the outgoing president giving a speech like that. This president also repeating, the new president also repeating that our, 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 our guiding principle will be America first, America first. We know how he has used that as a campaign slogan that does also have very dark echoes in American history. There was an America First committee that formed in this country. Hundreds of thousands of people in this country, some of the richest businessmen in the country, many of them were anti-Semitic, part of why they weren't alarmed by Hitler's rise in Germany. The America First committee is something that means a specific thing in this country. To repurpose it now, not that far down the historical path, it's, it's hard. It's hard to hear. You know, and it goes on. Trump is a gateway drug to David Duke KKK. Trump wants to kill the press. Play that one. Trump wants to kill the press. It's, I think it that's is a good a weird one. tension. I think it's a dangerous time for the First Amendment and for the free press in this country. And at the same time, we're oddly influential with the guy who wants to kill us. Venezuelans are rioting over donations to the Trump campaign. No. Uh, Flynn is the biggest scandal in presidential history. No. Um, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. He compared the she compares the Trump kids to Uday and Kuse. Yeah, the children of let's see. Um, yeah, that's right, Saddam Hussein. Everyone's really thinking, and they won't say in public. But she just said, you know, what a lot of us see and know to be true, and. You guys just got her, and she was just she just said the truth. They're not objective piece. They're not an objective source of information. They are a highly biased political machine um, that is bent on never letting somebody like Donald Trump come to power again. Hmm. 2020 is certainly on top of my old 
Shield Organization, Justice and Safety, top of mind. They've been working on it since 2016 to make sure we're ready for 2020. So training our algorithms, like if 2016 happened again, would we Technology companies are censoring conservatives, and they're going to do this right up to the 2020 election. Well, they're doing it to me on Twitter. I mean, uh, what they did to me on Twitter is incredible. Uh, I, you know, I have a, you know millions and millions of followers, but I will tell you, they make it very hard for people to join me in Twitter, and they make it very much harder for me to get out the message. They make it. Really? I, it's incredible. Yeah. And it so what are you going to do about it? What do you, I mean? And these I, you companies know, I I have an enormous amount of power if they could even stop the president of the free world in terms of well, getting his message do, out. Look, what am I going to do about it? Uh, these people. People are all Democrats. It's totally biased toward Democrats. Uh, if I announce tomorrow that I'm going to become a nice liberal Democrat, I would pick up uh, five times more followers. I was picking up 100,000 followers every few days. And all of a sudden, and, and I'm much hotter now than I was a number of months ago. Okay, a number of months ago. Then all of a sudden it stopped. Well, somebody at Google Russia. said they you don't want what Trump. happened in 2016 to happen in 2020. They don't want it to happen again, right? Is that oh, what you're referring totally, to? It, let me tell you, they're trying to rig the election. That's what we should be looking at, not that the witch hunt, the phony witch hunt, which has proven zero. Uh, you know, I mean, not even a phone call. This is the, the greatest political disgrace in history. Is what technology companies are doing, what they did to you, is that legal? Are they breaking the law, Mr. President? Well, I, I don't know whether, it, but I tell you what, they should be sued because what's happening with with the bias, and now you see it with that executive yesterday from Google, the hatred for the Republicans. Right. It's not even like, gee, let's let's lean Democrat. The hatred, and actually, you know, I heard that all during my election. It's hard that I won. They were they were swamping us with negative stuff. All right, that was the uh, president weighing in on social media and all the varying controversies now that have come up, including the latest one on Twitter, Project Veritas. Uh, by the way, the president tweeting, talking about the tape that we played for you and we talked about the other day. Uh, remember, in that particular tape, we had Google executives on tape, you know, in, and then an insider talking to Project Veritas, you know, that they're, they're bent on not letting somebody like Donald Trump ever come to power again. Or for Donald Trump to win in 2020. I mean, and the Google head of res responsible innovation saying Elizabeth Warren is misguided on breaking up Google. And um, Google exec says, well, don't break us up because smaller companies don't have the resources to prevent uh, the next Trump situation. Really? Insider uh, says that Prager University and others, their content is suppressed. That's what the president was also saying about Twitter as well. Leaked documents highlight a machine learning fairness. How does a machine learn fairness? Basically, how do they have a politically correct, a correct worldview? You look at Project Veritas and their video, and James O'Keefe, he uses Google, and he looks, emails Hillary Clinton, and emails Donald Trump, and hmm, well, it doesn't come up the way it normally would. In other words, Hillary's email scandal. Why is that? Anyway, documents appear to show editorial policies that determine how Google is publishing their news. Uh, Project Veritas's CEO and founder, James O'Keefe, is with us. Could be the biggest video that they've uh, outlined yet. And yet he's having trouble getting his message out because... 
places like YouTube, I understand, have taken your video down. What's their, what, what is their argument for taking your video down? Uh, Sean, thanks for having me on. Um, it, this is definitely the biggest story we ever broke, and that's saying something because you and I have known each other for 10 years, all going, going back to the Acorn story. But this, this is truly extraordinary. YouTube banned our Pinterest investigation. Twitter suspended Veritas for that story. Reddit banned Project Veritas. YouTube removed this Google investigation. And now, Sean, Vimeo, which is a competitor to Google, has removed our entire account. What is the reason, you say? The reason they tell us is there's a privacy violation. We don't understand what they mean by that. We're reporting newsworthy information. That's what journalists do. The real reason... Well, do they uh, keep up content, say, from other news sources? No, because other people have reported the same thing we're reporting. These are documents. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, are you being singled out versus other people that, that post things yeah. that are news-related? Yes, and I tweeted that at YouTube's CEO. Now, YouTube has responded. They issued this ridiculous response that has been uh, – been, they're being inundated on Twitter with angry, patriotic people upset with their absurd response. But, Sean, this is truly an extraordinary series of events. These stories have not been taken down because they're false, but because they're true and we're hitting close to home with this machine learning fairness. And you heard Trump, the president, a moment ago – talk about the comments made by Jen Janai. Trump was talking about the quote from Jen Janai, which stated they're trying to prevent the next Trump situation, which stated their definition of fairness is different than what Trump supporters think is fair, her words. So, Sean, they're taking all of our videos off the Internet. They're trying to scrub this from history, but I don't think they'll be successful because there's been an online uprising over the last couple of days, and this is all happening in the public view. All right, let's go back to the very beginning. Um, you get this this woman. By the way, what what is this department that she she runs and and works out at here? This Miss Janai, I, I I'm having a hard time understanding what it actually means. Um, there because it just it doesn't make sense to me. And how are they teaching artificial intelligence? And what are these algorithms they're creating that literally represses conservative content? So this is, um, again, you're referring to Jen Janai, the executive at Google, who runs something called the Innovation Department. She heads up Google's innovation efforts. And I think the best way to characterize what they do is this This is a document from within Google that we've obtained. And this is, this is a if, – if I had quoted this document, Sean, without having the document, you'd think I was a conspiracy theorist. But I'm going to read it to you because this will help you understand what this – individual does. It says, in, in some cases, it may be desirable to consider how we might help society reach a more fair and equitable state via product intervention or algorithmic fairness. So what they do is they have human beings go in there, modify the computer code, modify the artificial intelligence and the algorithms. They implement this fairness, and I'm putting fairness in quotes because it's their word, in their artificial intelligence, in the, in the computers. And this executive is confessing this to in this recording. So what they're doing at Google is they're 
trying to change the outcome of elections through artificial intelligence algorithms, and they've denied it publicly. That's why this story is so big. We got them, and that's what Jen Janai said. She issued this long, rambling response saying, Project Veritas got me. I shouldn't have said what I said. Oh, they got me, but I shouldn't have, and she's not getting fired. But the reality is, is this is what they're doing. Now, you know, we have to look at the magnitude. Linda did a great job last uh, the other day, two days ago, looking up all the numbers. I mean, you're talking about billions of people every year using Google to search for news and information in an election years. Uh, if they're suppressing information that would, for the purposes of endorsing and favoring a candidate, isn't that an in-kind donation? And isn't it one that really is incalculable? Well, that's exactly what uh, what uh, uh, people are saying. Attorneys are saying this might be an FEC issue. I think, Sean, the, the, the biggest issue right now that I can see, and there's been some congressional hearings since I last talked to you, Ted Cruz, Dan Crenshaw, Congresswoman from Arizona was grilling these executives about machine learning fairness. There's been another document come out. Well, by the way, let me let me go to Crenshaw for just a second here, um, who's a good guy. Uh, But anyway, he a congressman from Texas, and he was questioning Derek Slater, global uh, Google global director of and information policy. And, you know, according to these emails, the emails say, given that, you know, different people uh, like Dennis Prager or Nazis, et cetera, uh, that's a premise. Uh, what are you going to do about that? And, you know, Kenshaw then from, from Texas goes on and says, thank you for some of the uh, thoughtful discussion, et cetera, et cetera. But there are good questions on whether some of these con- the content provides education so that we know the bad things out there, whether it's radicalizing people. Those are hard. But Crenshaw also goes on to say that, you know, and talks about you at different points and goes on to say that uh, if you if you're going to be the determine, make the determination of what is good and good content, new content or news or not news and you have a bias. Well, I mean, the, it, it, you're rendering you're picking sides here. And with the amount of power somebody like Google has, that could be extraordinarily influential, couldn't it? Well, I, yes. And it, I was going to say, Sean, it comes down to Google has been granted a special immunity from Congress, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. And the issue before Congress right now is that they want to continue giving Google that exemption. Now, why this expose is so big, it's the biggest thing certainly I've ever reported, is that it implies that Google should not be given this protection because Google is no longer merely a platform. Now they're a publisher with an agenda. So previously, they have been exempt from liability. And now these revelations, which talk about a certain viewpoint Point and they want to change outcome of elections. All of these words are theirs, not mine. Congress probably has to do something about it. They have to do their job. The president says that Google should be sued. I've told you before, Sean, this is a watershed moment in this country. The floodgates are opening. Veritas, Project Veritas, has been inundated with insiders, sources on the inside, reaching out to me this week. I mean, we're talking dozens of these people who want to explode uh, a whistle for their country to report what's going on. Because if you think – if you're worried about the impact on an election, Google can – can change that and in, in influence that in ways you can't imagine. And that's what this expose is about. All right, quick break. More with James O'Keefe, founder, CEO of Project Veritas, and much more as we continue. Busy Hannity tonight. Don't miss it. 9 Eastern. 
right, as we continue, James O'Keefe, he is the founder, CEO of Project Veritas. And I don't know, I think this is probably, there's, there's going to be a lot of fallout for this. You know, 63,000 searches on Google per second. I mean, that that is insane. You wow. know, Google's ad revenue amounted to almost $95.4 billion in what? Just the year 2017 alone. You know, Google owns 200 other companies. You know, they have 27% of the share of the global email client market. I mean, it's a massive company. And, you know, you look at that and then you say, well, okay, well, now they're going to censor content of conservatives and they're going to decide uh, not to run things uh, politically that they disagree with. That's a problem. Yes. I mean, Sean, I mean, Janai says she reinforced several times Google's imperative to, quote, prevent the next Trump situation, quote, prevent it from happening again, quote, being ready for 2020 by training algorithms for a different outcome using machine learning fairness. I mean, it sounds like something from 1984. 1984 wasn't just the year I was born. This great book by George Orwell. I mean, it's just it's, it shocks the conscience, the, and, and, and we got them. We, we got them to confess what they're doing. I think the question is, Project Veritas you know, really gives ammunition to, to the people. I don't know what Congress is going to do. Trump says he's going to sue people. I think that the next thing that needs to happen is more people need to come forward. ProjectVeritas.com slash brave uh, and uh, Veritas tips at ProtonMail.com. If you're on the inside, if you want to be a patriot, if you want to tell stories, I mean, these people are not going to the New York Times or the Washington Post, Sean. They're coming, they're coming to Project Veritas now. So we have a responsibility to keep informing people about what their intentions are as it relates to 2020. All right. These videos we have posted exclusively. Apparently, they can't take them off Hannity.com or Project Veritas's website. Uh, but apparently, it's off of YouTube and other places as well. But you got to watch them for yourself. And you're saying that now you have a lot of other insiders at Google reaching out to you. So I would expect there's going to be more follow up in the days and weeks ahead. Yeah, we're, we're releasing some more documents here imminently today uh, about some censorship. And there are some people that have reached out to us. I've, I'm looking at some of the messages right now, Sean. But they've, again, I just want to remind your audience, they've taken us off YouTube. They've taken off Vimeo. Reddit has banned us. This is the moment. It's, it's all happening. I don't think they'll be able to silence us. I think that, that the fight has gone too public to hide. And it's all happening now. Nothing's going to stop. We're going to keep exposing the truth. And I thank you, Sean, for, for being one of the first people out there to push this story. And, and, uh, and thank you for, your, for, for helping us expose this truth. All right. Project Veritas, the CEO and founder, uh, James O'Keefe, thanks for putting your neck out there. Uh, as usual, when we come back, Jonathan and Danielle, they'll weigh in on this crazy lunatic debate last night. Don Jr. weighs in on that, and his brother Eric literally spit in the face in a restaurant in Chicago. We'll get to that and uh, how the rest of the family's been treated ever since they, uh, his, their father decided to run for president as we continue. Senator Warren, I want to continue on the Mitch McConnell thing because you have a lot of ambitious plans. You have a plan for that. Okay. We talked about the Supreme Court. Do you have a plan to deal with Mitch McConnell if you don't beat him in the Senate, if he's still sitting there as the Senate Majority Leader? It's very plausible you be elected president with a Republican Senate. Do you have a plan to deal with Mitch McConnell? You have staked your candidacy on the issue of climate change. It is first, second, and third priority for you. You said it's all the issues. Let's get specific. 
We're here in Miami, which is already experiencing serious flooding on sunny days as a result of sea level rise. Parts of Miami Beach and the Keys could be underwater in our lifetimes. Does your plan save Miami? Does your plan save Miami? Um, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, That from the extreme radical democratic socialist debate from last night. Apparently Hollywood was not impressed at all. They were disappointed with this first radical extreme democratic socialist party debate. Um, Bill Maher, I thought it was pretty funny. Not a promising start. Nobody came close to answering the first question with a good one. 70% saying they liked the economy. Well, how can you not like the economy now versus what it was uh, when you have 6 million new jobs created, 6 million fewer Americans on food stamps, the best job market and since 1969 in terms of employment situation. You have over 2 million more jobs available than we had. Let's see. Um, then we do have people on unemployment. Anyway, here to weigh in, Jonathan Gillum, former FBI agent, federal air marshal, author of Sheep No More, Danielle McLaughlin, attorney, uh, is with us. Danielle, how are you? Good to see you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so you have eight, you have six million new jobs created since Donald Trump's president. You have the best job conditions we've ever had since 1969. We have, you compare that to 13 million additional people on food stamps with Biden, Obama. That's after eight years and eight million more in poverty and the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. So Trump has totally flipped it around. We have six million fewer people on food stamps since he became president. Uh, And nobody can answer that question. So they're acting like the economy is awful, but it's not awful. You know, I I think it's pretty clear that the economy under the president has gone from strength to strength. And I do think, honestly, Democrats are going to have a problem taking him on head on because the the economy is cooking along. One thing I will object to is the the idea that this just, this just started uh, in 2017 in January. Uh, we have been making a long but but pretty amazing recovery since 2008 2009 when the, obviously the economy and really the global economy completely tanked. Okay, well you could say what you want to say, but after eight years the numbers speak for themselves. I mean I love how. Liberals try to say, you know, have the best of both worlds. Oh, we inherited the worst economy. Oh, well, well, you've got eight years to fix it. It didn't. Your policies didn't work. New policies are put in plate, place to end burdensome regulation and to cut taxes, the biggest tax cut in history. And now we also have opened up the door to energy like we never have before, leading to the to energy independence for the first time in 75 years. And Jonathan Gillum, then they're still saying, well, but Obama, Biden, they, they, they had the worst economy since the Great Depression. Now they want to talk about 2009. I mean, they didn't fix it. They never reached 3% GDP. It was the worst recovery since the 40s, as a matter of fact, their eight years. And, you know, the reality speaks for itself. Well, John, I finally figured out last night. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, there's a couple of things I finally found out uh, last night watching these debates. One, uh, these individuals talk loud, and they uh, repeat the same information, and it goes nowhere. When it comes to the economy, that's what they do. They don't, they don't solve problems. They just talk loud about what they think would solve it, and then they, they, there's no solution. The other thing is that uh, when you when you speak to a liberal, I guess now you have to speak in Spanish. Now 
It was last night. Uh, it was as if they were uh, running for the leader of the Latino world, uh, not the uh, the president of the United States. And that it jokingly, uh, I can say that, but realistically, it just people have to see that the the things that they put out front that they believe that are important are things that are going to get them votes by their constituents, not things that are going to fix the problems in this country. And they kept talking in Spanish because they are literally trying to go after that vote. That's why the, the, the illegals coming into this country, that's why the immigration issue, they don't want to fix it because they're looking at those people as votes. And I think that's something that has to be pointed out about last night. They did not go after solutions. They just spouted things that are going to get them votes from the people that follow them on the left. That was it. I mean, look at what even even the real speaker of the House, the one that's leading and influencing all these 2020 candidates, uh, the real power broker, it seems, in Washington, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, oh, it looked like a bunch of high school kids that didn't read the book over at NBC News, the which, by the way, hosted last night's debate. I mean, they're on all, they're on the network, they're on cable, they're on Telemundo, they're all over the place, and and they got 15 million people. It's not exactly a mass audience, considering all the the stations that they were on at one time handling this. But uh, anyway, the the ten candidates performing in the room at the center of it, and you know what is the conclusion of the debate um, that Donald Trump is the big winner? It's a great piece in the New York Post saying the exact same thing. Donald Trump won last night, and it was dull, and it was boring, and they're screaming like a bunch of lunatics, and their plan was just tried uh, the last eight years, and it failed. What, 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 you know, what are they going to do to keep us safe and secure? What are they going to do to keep the economy humming along? They don't even acknowledge the success of Donald Trump's policies. So they want to go back to, what, 70% tax rates, and that's for individuals, top marginal rates, 90% top ro- marginal rates, for corporations, a wealth tax, tax everybody to death, this insane new green deal in some way, shape, manner, or form, Medicare for all, but you can't have your own health care. Do they think Americans already forgot about keep your doctor plan and save money and they want open borders? Uh, Okay, maybe they're better at speaking Spanish than Donald Trump. I guess they win that department. But, you know, it's not about what, uh, you know, foreign languages you speak when you want to be the president. Look, on taxes, I, I think what the Democrats are saying is, is the line that Warren Buffett has taken over and over and over again. He is saying, because of the way that I earn my money, I pay really low taxes. My secretary pays more money in taxes to the federal and state government than I do, and I'm Warren Buffett. Corporations like Amazon, uh, like Pfizer, pay no federal Well, I don't know how the hell he gets away with it, because uh, I make a little bit more money than my assistant. And um, I will tell you that I pay a hell of a lot more in taxes by far. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he could teach me the tricks of the trade, but it sounds like I wouldn't dare try and take whatever tax deductions he's got, because if I did, they'd put me in jail. I don't, how does he get away with not paying taxes? And, you know, all this way that he earns his income. Well, but the problem, listen, it's sort of like everyone saying, well, these big corporations don't pay taxes. Well, in a way they don't because any taxes they have to pay, they pass on to us. The consumers raising taxes on corporations means we pay more for the goods and services we want, need and desire. But the fact of the matter is, is raising taxes, spreading the wealth, guaranteeing everything doesn't work. Did Obamacare work, Danielle? Were Americans fed a bill of goods when they were told they can keep their doctors, keep their plans and pay less? 
the only thing you have to hang your head on is he no, was it's not the only thing. They, no, no, it's not. I can go on. Venezuela made all the same promises to their people, and they're eating out of garbage trucks, as did Cuba, as did the former Soviet Union. You know, these same lies have been spread throughout history, and socialism doesn't work. But the biggest wealth creator and the biggest, you know, that which will raise the standard of living of every American is free market capitalism and energy independence and low taxes and and limited government regulation into business. That works. That's worked for Reagan. That's worked for Kennedy. That's worked for Donald Trump. It'll work again. What Obama wanted was that people didn't die because they couldn't afford their insulin. Or because That's they not what Obama promised. I have Obama on tape saying you get to keep your doctor. Millions of Americans lost their doctors. You get to keep right. your and plan. Millions, millions, millions of Americans lost their plans. You get to save money. Every, what about Everybody paid more, and in some cases, two and three hundred percent more. So they didn't keep their promise. So now they're promising everything is free. Well, I'm sorry, it didn't work on that one small item. Why would you have faith, hope, and confidence that this big plan that we'll never get out of is going to work? Here is the problem with health insurance. It's not like any other good, and I don't think capitalism. Did Obama keep his promises? I'm asking you. Did Did Obamacare? Did he live up to the Obamacare promises? Yes or no? Not. Not all of them. No. 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 He didn't live. No. He. No. He didn't live up to any of them. I think you could ask someone who actually got insurance because of Obamacare. He raised the rate at which... uh, Everybody paid more. True or false? Everybody. No. Everybody paid more. Absolutely not. Some people had no insurance, and they could achieve it because of Obamacare, because the income threshold for getting Medicaid was increased. So low-income people, plenty of them around this country, who had no insurance got insurance, got health care. It wasn't perfect. I know some people paid more. I know small business owners really, really, really hurt. This is a really complex problem, and there's not a clean, clear solution. No, if you can't see the simple truth, if they're going to if they're going to handle guaranteed job, health care, healthy food, uh, guaranteed health care, Medicare for all, but you can't have private, you can't sustain it because it's not, and then you're going to destroy business and wealth. Everyone's going to leave. All right, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, more with Danielle McLaughlin, Jonathan Gillum. Uh, Great Hannity tonight. We'll tell you about that. We will mock the Democratic debate. 9 Eastern on Fox. All right, so you know our friends at Chamonix. You know what? So many have tried to duplicate their great success, their incredible, innovative products, their their exclusive natural peptides as ingredients in plant stem cell therapy. Genucel has now become Chamonix's number one bestseller. Why? Because it works. So many tried to duplicate it. They have not been successful. Guaranteed bags, puffiness under your eyes, gone in 12 hours, or you get a full refund, no questions asked ever. And now, by the way, and the only way you can get Chamonix is to call 800-SKIN-509. Go to their website, genucel.com. But... Their brand new Genucel jawline cream. Well, you look at, for example, a double chin or a turkey neck or a sagging jawline. Oh, how can I look better? Well, now they have a product for that, the Genucel jawline cream, and it works. And it works guaranteed. As a matter of fact, they're going to give you the jawline cream for free, and you get it with the purchase of Genucel Classic to get rid of bags and puffiness. Remember, same rules. Guaranteed results, 12 hours, or your money back, no questions asked. 
800-SKIN-509, genucell.com, and you get two free gifts, and you get free express shipping. Want to look your best? Genucell by Chamonix, 800-SKIN-509, genucell.com, and you will not regret it. All right, as we continue with Jonathan Gillum, former FBI agent, federal air marshal, author of Sheep No More, liberal attorney Danielle McLaughlin is also with us. You know, if we can't fundamentally answer that question, though, honestly, did did were the promises of Obamacare kept? No, Jonathan. The answer is no. And then if they're going to promise, well, we'll have Medicare for all, but that's going to work. But you don't even have the backup option now of even having your own policy. That is never going to work. So if people want to believe like other countries have, you know, sold the same lie, where do we end up? Well, we end up like the VA when it comes to health care with a worthless health care system. Look, here, here's the fact of all this, Sean. I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing up the health care issue because it's a perfect example of the way politics in Washington, D.C. works these days, is that they come up with an idea or they have some kind of activist slant on something, and they push forward on it without thinking it through. There's, it's not like they came up with a real solution to health care, just like they're not going to come up with a, a real solution to Iran or any of these other stuff if you leave it to the left and the establishment Republicans. Washington, D.C. is broken when it comes to that. And that's what I've always liked about President Trump is that he looks at things from an effective point of view. How do we fix this? What's the long-term effect of this? What's the short-term effect? What's the short-term goal and the long-term goal? And that's the way he looks at these things. And there's evidence that he does that. His his biggest problem, I think, is the people, the the swampers that are advising him on a lot of stuff. I think they get it wrong. But when you look at the health care system and the way that they approached it, uh, Obama uh, put a system in place that that did not work. It didn't work for everybody. You know, maybe some people say they got this. Other people say they lost that. The fact is it didn't work. They implemented it anyway, and that's the way politics especially on the left, works. And nobody can argue that fact. All right. Uh, we'll give you the last word, Danielle, although I expect this is going to be painful. Go ahead. <laughs> I guess I'm just wondering what the Republican plan for health care is. That's my question, because I don't know what it is. I know what it is. Health savings accounts and a combination of health care cooperatives like Josh Umber in Wichita, Kansas, who I've interviewed hundreds of times now on radio and TV. Read Patient Power by Musgrave and, and Goodwin. Uh, it's put out by the Cato Institute. Uh, that book has been out for a long time. There offers free market solutions to health care. People control their own health care sources and money. Um, and it incentivizes people to save money in, on, on top of it. You know, at, uh, I, I, there are so many different options. Get a catastrophic plan, get a, then get a primary doctor like uh, our friend Josh Umber. And guess what? You're paying 50 bucks a month as an adult for the day-to-day care you need, a 90% reduction in prescriptions. And uh, that includes stitches, broken bones, et cetera. If you have anything like cancer, heart attack, bad accident, well, that's what a catastrophic plan is for. High deductible, you pay very little money per year. Solution, right there. You're, okay, you want to know what the solution is? I just gave I think, it to you. Let's Okay, so they have the presidency, they have the Senate. So let's see a health care bill, because uh, I want well, to be better. I have food, no right? faith in them. Listen, you're, you're, I'm not a Republican, so you're talking to the wrong guy. I am a, a conservative. All right, I got to let it go. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN. When we come back, uh, news roundup information overload, and uh, Donald Trump Jr. checks in. His brother Eric spit in the face in a Chicago restaurant this week. We'll talk to him about that, how the family's treated, and how this election is going to go in last night's debate. Straight ahead. Stay right here for our 
final news roundup and information overload. Unprovoked, this woman came up to him, literally spit in his face and had some really nasty things to say to him. And he played it so calm and so cool, did not press charges against this woman, which I think a lot of people would have done. Uh, but it probably would have been very hard for me to, to remain calm in that situation. Yeah. This is, is the new normal for the left. And it's acceptable for some reason whenever you are fighting on the side of the Democrats to do things like this. I can't imagine this ever happening to Chelsea Clinton, to Sasha and Malia Obama. This is disgusting. All right. Glad you're with us. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Uh, you look at what happened to uh, Eric Trump earlier this week. He's in a restaurant in Chicago and some employee comes and literally spits in his face. Now, this is not new for the Trump family and the way the Trump family has been treated. You know, look at the treatment even of 11-year-old son Barron Trump at the time. You know, Kathy Griffin, a decapitated head, you know, look what looked like a decapitated head of the president. Or, you know, I dream an awful lot about blowing up the White House. It all started there. And then you can take on the attacks against, oh, let's see, Melania Trump, Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Jared Trump, uh, and the entire family. It's endless. Then you got the two-year, two-plus-year witch hunt against the entire family. Here to react to this and much more, Donald Trump Jr. He's a very shy, demure, and quiet Trump. He's not, he's not the most outspoken Trump in the family. How are you? I'm the wallflower, Sean. I'm the wallflower. Good thing I don't have a thing. You're not allowed to have them. No, I actually think I think you're the most like your dad in in terms of combativeness. I, I don't even think there's a question about that. I, I think you're right. It's it's sort of funny, you know. In in business and in life, they were always like, "Well, Don's kind of the anomaly. He loves the outdoor stuff. He's always doing that stuff." I think it's you know, it, it took politics for us to realize that maybe we're the same person, which is uh, both good and maybe scary. But uh, yeah, it took me 40 years of my life to figure out I was a lot more like my dad than I ever thought. Well, I mean. And the interesting thing is, because I know Eric well, I know you well, why do I think you may not have reacted the same way? I'm just guessing. I don't know. I mean, look, your brother, to his credit, just like, remember Nicholas Salmon, I mean, this 16-year-old kid, you know, has to go through verbal abuse and being called every name in the book by, you know, this black Israelite group, Hebrew Israelite group, and... Then you have Nathan Phillips banging a drum in his face. Then you have the media, you know, their slanders, their smears, their libel, their character assassination. By the way, they're going to pay hundreds of millions. I know Lynn Wood. Oh, yeah, Lynn, no, Lynn Wood is a killer and, and attorney. Way, and he deserves every penny of it. Every penny. I, yeah. I don't think many people uh, would have reacted the same way and kept cool and not said something. You know, I'd like to believe that I'd be able to respond like a Sandman or, you know, frankly, like Eric. I'm just not sure that's my style. Uh, you know, someone assaults me. Well, that's called Probably assault, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look at what Nicholas Sandman did with just pitch perfect response. I mean, for a 16 year old, it was pretty remarkable. And I frankly think what your brother did, I mean, having the patience of Job and and not standing up and and. You know, he has every right at that yeah. point to defend himself, although in New York no, it's course. a little well, different. And that's the difference is, you know, Sandman, I mean, you know, a, a lot of pressure for a young kid to be able to do, to be able to, you know, maintain that cool. And I mean, and he got hell for not doing anything. He, he just stayed cool and, you know, it, you know, barely had a smirk on his face just sort of dealing with it. Again, I don't think a lot of people wouldn't have just been, you know, pushed someone out of their way to get him out of their face, you know, when they're invading their space. But then it would have been assault, and that's what the media was looking for. I mean, in his case, the media was looking for him to respond because that was the holy grail, uh, you know, of their identity politics. You had a, you know, white, male, Christian, 
from Kentucky. Uh, you know, th- this was, you know, their dream uh, assault case for this guy to take on, you know, the, the, you know, the fake Vietnam vet guy, you know, that was, a, you know, basically a professional instigator. But, you know, that would have never come out had it gone the other way, had he done something, had he reacted. So, uh, you know, I think generally speaking, considering the amount of heat that they take, the conservative, conservatives really do a, a, a much better job of that. Now, again, as I've said to you, whether it's that physically or otherwise, uh, you know, I don't know that the turn the other cheek mentality has gotten us too many places. I mean, I think we, we've given up ground to the liberals on this one for, for decades because of it. Uh, and I think maybe that's the difference. And I don't mean physically. I'm talking about, you know, response to the political attacks. And I think my father's shown conservatives and has, you know, really created a whole new other generation of conservative thought fighters. You know, not those who just, you know, well, turn the other cheek because we don't want to be called a bad name by the left. Uh, you know, he's fought back. He's shown that it can be done. And he's shown others that you can do it successfully. You know, unlike so many uh, of the conservative leaders before that, and I say leaders in, in quotes because they weren't really leaders because every time they actually were challenged, they gave up. Because they didn't want to be called a bad name by the other side. So they were very principled until they were uh, actually had to put those things to test, and then they folded like a cheap rug. So uh, it, it's been great to see that because I think, frankly, for uh, for the ideology of conservatism to survive, we couldn't just keep taking the loss because the other side wants us to, even when we were right. Um, and I think we've shown that you don't have to do that anymore. Well, let's go. Mitt Romney I knew very well and. In 2012, he was a very nice man, and he was running a good campaign, and I thought he had a chance to win. I thought he blew it, especially in the second and third debate, the third debate in particular. I don't know why he took his foot off the oh, gas. I agree with you. He had Obama on the ropes. In the first he really debate. did. Totally. I think I put up a tweet at the time that was like, quick, get Obama a teleprompter stat because he doesn't know how to perform you know, without one. And, right, and then he laid uh, down. It was pretty obvious, but then he was worried about being called a name. He was worried about having, trying to have a perfect transition. So the last three months were spent uh, formulating the most you know, incredible transition in the history of the world. The only problem was that the day after Election Day, it went in a shredder at about 6 a.m. Uh, well, you know, but the point is they still referred to him as a you know, racist and a sexist and a misogynist. And they went, oh, and he cut some kid's hair in, in boarding school or something ridiculous. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're nice to them. Everybody is going to be, uh, if you're conservative, if you're a Republican, this is standard fare. You're racist, you're sexist, you're misogynist, you're homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. No, no matter what, and no matter what you've done in your past, uh, it doesn't matter. Hey, Look at all the people who, you know, they're all over the photographs of my father, whether it's people from the African-American community that were leaders in that, the Sharptons of the world. Yeah, they have plenty of pictures with Trump. They're here with Trump. Trump's great. This is Trump. This is, all of a sudden, two weeks after he announces, oh, you're going to be a Republican now? Oh, well, you're, you're now all of a sudden magically X, Y, Z. Right. So, yeah, listen, I think it was important, and I think the case of Trump was so extreme that people now get it, meaning there's no point – for doing the right thing. There's no points for being the good guy. There's no points for doing that. You, you don't get points from the other side. They don't give you points. Uh, but but, you I mean, but this is an way. important point, Don. What you're saying here is profound because Romney didn't fight back and they called him every name in the book. Your dad right. is a you're fighter. You're going to call those names anyway. You're going to so be called well those fight. exactly. You might as well you might as well defend yourself and fight back, but it also benefits the country. Look at how your father, no matter what, is unrelenting in his pursuit of getting that wall built and pursuing good trade deals. You know, he talked about tariffs. Look at how fast Mexico backed down. 
uh, but he pushed for the tax cuts. He kept his promise on judges. He got rid of endless burdensome bureaucracy, and now we're energy independent for the first time in 75 years. Well, how about last night at the debate? So, well, we're going to bring jobs back to America. I go, wait a minute. We've created six million new jobs in two and a half years. That's a record. That's never been done before. And you got someone saying that they're going to do better. I mean, what, with you know, oppressive taxation policies and hyper-regulation? Like, guess what, guys? That ain't bringing back jobs. You, got, you know, the Cory Bookers of the world, you know, claiming, you know, well, he got prison reform done. It's like, no, Trump got prison reform, Cory. You're one of people who voted on it. Why, what were you doing for the last few years in office as it relates to these issues? You know, you, you talk about them, but there was no action. You don't think, you know, you could have gotten Obama to maybe work on this and get something done? No, Trump did it, and now you try to claim it. You know, there's, there's a lot of irony, uh, you know, in, in all of what the other side does. But again, despite our record of success, despite the unprecedented numbers, you still get 95 percent negative coverage because everyone in the media believes the other side. They're inherently leftist. They believe that ideology. You, you see the people who even come off a little bit moderate uh, in the debates last night in, in the sort of the post-op. In the spin rooms, you see these guys, the moderators are going after them. I mean, they're giving them leading questions throughout the whole thing because they, they have an answer that they want, and it may not necessarily jive with what someone else wants up there, and, and they're trying to get to it. It's pretty sad, and it's pretty pathetic. I mean, I, I thought the most telling thing, though, from last night was watching when they had a the little bit of the technical difficulties. You see the look of shock on everyone's mm. face. They didn't even know how to handle it. I mean, imagine that person in, like, the situation room when something real is going down. I'm looking at Elizabeth Warren. She's she like on a different planet. She's looking like almost scared uh, because there was a little, you know, sound glitch. I mean, these are not people I want making real decisions for me. Certainly not under pressure. It was that was the most telling thing of all. By the way, even NBC, an NBC News analysis declared Donald Trump the winner of the first Democratic debate last night. Let me ask you this: he, because he was. you saw no personality. You saw nothing new other than they're going to give everything away and they're going to figure out how to magically pay for it later. You know, this is the same old, same old promises from the West. You, you, you can't do all these things. So, you know, I, hey, you got to do something, you know, about college loans. Well, what about the people who worked for 20 years, you know, paid off their loans last month? Do they get reparations, too, since everyone else is getting them? You know, it, it, it never ends. Uh, and, you know, I think that the American people saw just last night, you know, there are no new ideas. There are no fresh ideas. There's more promises that they're not going to be able to deliver on. Uh, but that's the nature of the left. It's a party of dependence. They need you to be dependent because if you're not dependent on them, you bring nothing else to the table. So uh, it's pretty scary. Let me ask you, because every time now that I hear you and you're out on the stump a lot, don't you go around the country on behalf of your father, other candidates, all for 2020? You're pretty much this is now pretty much your full time gig. I mean, are you making a transition into the political world yourself? No, listen, my, my only objective is to make sure he's elected. I'm, you know, I'm a patriotic American. I'm the father of five young kids. So, we, you know, we've lost a little bit of the bandwidth in terms of what we're able to do because of all the restrictions and with the media scrutiny. And that's fine. So the only thing I want to allow myself to do is be bored, Sean. So I'll be out there. I'll be fighting for him and supporting other candidates who believe the same thing. And I've been able to create a little bit of a name for myself, I guess, in politics outside of the administration, as I said I would. And, uh, you know, we're having a good time doing what's right for this country and for the future of our kids and grandkids. Kids. All right. Where, where do you see? Because I look at the, this field of Democratic candidates and I see that they're all adopting some version of the new Green Deal. 
And, I, you know, you could just look at one little portion. Obamacare failed. We were discussing this in the last half hour. Nobody kept their doctor. Millions lost them. Millions lost their plans. And everybody paid a lot more. And I know well, it's— Well, they're it's, talking it's, about abolishing private health care, you know, last night. I mean, this is scary stuff. They got no plans. They got no alternatives. They got no way to pay for it. But the Green New Deal is the worst of them all, Sean. $93 trillion. Okay, that makes everything else we've ever done in, in our history— seem like a minor rounding error at $93 trillion. The U.S. government takes in $6 trillion a year in revenue, okay? That's before it spends any money. So if the U.S. government spent nothing on anything else other than preventing the farting of cows uh, and maybe creating some sort of, you know, way to magically send people to Hawaii without losing it, using airplanes, in 15 years it would pay for itself. And they just, they throw this All right, down. hang on. No, no, it's going to pay for itself. Got to take a break. Hang on. We'll come back more with Don Jr. uh, as we continue. All right. As we continue, Donald Trump Jr. is uh, our guest. We'll get to your calls in the next half hour. Um, Look at everything that's happened to you. Well, you know, how many times you've had. By the way, why did you go back and testify? I'm thinking that's that's and I'm not being critical. I know you want to cooperate. Your father cooperated. He never once invoked executive privilege. I can't believe he let Don McGahn. They let Don McGahn talk to, to Mueller for, for 30 hours. Everybody's encouraged to speak to Congress, speak to the special counsel. Uh, 1.5 million documents. Your dad answers questions. It's a witch hunt. Mueller never even touches the dirty Russian dossier, which is un, unconscionable yeah. to me. And yet, and they, you know, oh, Miss Lewandowski four times to Hope Hicks, who's already paid a fortune in attorneys. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. I don't think anybody should answer these idiots' questions. Four times now there's been a conclusion of no collusion. Well, I went back because it's different for me, Sean. You know, I, I'm Donald Trump Jr. I'm not Joe Smith. If I'm, if I'm Joe Smith, I listen to intelligent people like Lindsey Graham who's saying, you're out of your mind going back in there. You've done 25, whatever, 30 hours of testimony before this. I agreed with him. You've by the Mueller report. You've been I agreed with early. him. Why? It's only I, well, a perjury I, well, let me, trap. Let me explain. So first of all, it's only a perjury trap. So, you know, but the, the, the Dems are hopeful, so i got to go in there and remember everything I've said for, you know, 30 hours of testimony two years prior about something that was at the time totally insignificant two years even prior to that. Um, and, you know, it's not so easy, but the problem is if I go in and I don't go in and I do that, they say, oh, you blood the fifth, you're guilty. Oh, you, oh, you must be guilty. Uh, you know, that's the way the media How many works. times have you been the in there already, do. though? I, I got to get to a break, in... but I, how, how many times did you go prior to that? I, I, three other times prior. So I've, I've spoken now in front of, uh, you know, four congressional uh, hearings, total of about 30 hours. And again, the Mueller report cites my congressional testimony. It cites my Senate testimony, it cites my stupid Twitter feed. I mean, you know, it, trust me, if the 19 leftist Hillary-supporting lawyers that Bob Mueller brought in there, it's amazing. He couldn't find a single conservative. Hard to believe. He must not be biased, right? All right, Donald Trump Jr., you know, you're very shy. Can you please, next time, if we're going to have you on the program, you gotta, you got to speak a little more. you gotta, you got to, you know, you got to put a little more energy into it. <laughs> i got to uh, run. All right, Donald Trump right, Jr., buddy. thank you. When we come back, wide open phones, quick break, right back. A great Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight, but we'll continue straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. All right, it's my Friday, and that means, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, heading into 4th of July week. Got to take a little break, recharge the batteries, get fresh and ready for the battle that is ensuing. Uh, that means it's time for our Thursday edition Friday 
uh, concert series, Zach Brown Band, Charlie Daniels Band, and Big and Rich to get your party light on and get ready for the 4th of July. Let's hit it. And a little bit of chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And the radio Little player too, and if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, cause I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet, and you're gonna regret, cause I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard, cause hell's broke loose in Georgia, and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul. The devil opened up his case and he said, I'll start this show. And fire blew from his fingertips as he rosined up his bow. And he pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss. And then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this. Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. Granted, there's a dog bite, no child, no. Chili along the way. Then we rolled on into Canton, scared the hell out of Marilyn Manson, and the party started happening. Hey, hey, hey. And in the middle of a Charleston night, we ran into Jessica White, and a little moonshine got us right from smacking And we're coming to your city. Gonna play our 
come along. Well, we broke down in Greenville in the middle of a hayfield, but a Bud Light truck pulled up and helped us out. So we did it, it up to Philly, parted down like real hillbillies, brought the music mafia and rocked it out. Oh, and Chippewa's where we go when we're up in Buffalo. Don't you know those Yankees drink enough to drown? Yeah, we're coming to your city. Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song. We'll all be flying higher than a jet airliner. And if you want a little bang in your yin-yang, come along. Even Linda's rocking in there a little bit. What do you mean, even Linda? By the way, you had a tough day today. I Linda, never have a tough day. You, no, no, you've had a tough day. Ethan and Jason and Kylie, everybody, Katie, they can all. Oh, good and, Lord. And, well, sweet baby agrees. And, but Blair what do you agrees. Mean, sweet baby everybody, agrees. First of all, everybody sweet baby agrees with me. Side. All right, so let's tell everybody what happened. So, no. who was the first person to bring up the story about our, you know, this 2020 event? Well, I so, had a meeting earlier, and our good friend Major Dan happened to be in the area and popped up for a hot second. You and Major Dan are like, you know, tied at the hip. I love these veterans. What can I say? I love my veterans. No, They're I think awesome it's a great people. thing. Okay, so now Anywho, he's talking we got about to talk, a golf got, tournament to no, raise money. I don't know what's public and what's not. So I'm just going to say we were talking about talking golf. Golf. And, wait, 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 say it again. We were, say these words. We were talking about golf. I don't know who talks like that. Not me. Say it. No, I'm not saying that. Can't again, talk like that. But will you please do it? Can't talk like a like a say, long right, say guy. we were talk say we were talking. We were talking. About about say it. Golf. Golf? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> we were talking about golf. We were talking about golf. I don't know. Well, everyone Whatever. else is laughing. We're talking about golf. Anywho in, in Singapore. So they don't know this, so Major Dan's gonna hear this. Oh song. man. So what happened was um mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He was talking about, you know, you know they have this awesome company, Folds of Honor and Volition, which have partnered together. And right. Volition is just fantastic. That's my friend John Sepianti. Yeah, by the way, you company. can get that stuff at Puma.com. Yeah, Puma.com. Volition's going to have its own line. They're doing fantastic. And they just they give back to the veterans. They're just awesome people. So uh, we're sitting there in the room. We're talking this and that. And he starts mentioning um, this guy, Jack Nicholas. And I thought he was trying to say Jack Nicholson. And I was like, oh, Jack Nicholson plays golf? Okay. And then he's like going, the shining Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, like, which yeah, is that guy, the actor Jack Nicholson. But exactly. he was saying Jack Nicholas. So he was saying Jack Nicholas. So anywho, I leave the meeting. I come back to the studio. And everybody's in here. And I ask the, the guys and gals. And I say, guys, gals, you know this guy, Jack Nicholas? Nicholas, I think? He's in golf? And everybody just, like, fell over. And I was like, why is... Yeah, exactly. It's You've story. never heard of Jack Nicholas before. No, I have not. <laughs> Listen, I'm just getting into the sports thing. I'm trying. What do you mean you just get? First of all, first of all, you have a son. I He's, know. Your your three year old Liam likes sports. You know what? I will tell you. I took him to his first baseball game this past oh. weekend. What was it t ball? It was feet. It was the Phillies. And, oh, you took uh, him to a professional. I took game. him to a real game, and yeah. it was awesome. And he loved it. He, first of all, we didn't watch the game. In the back of the new uh, uh, Citizens Bank 
stadium. Yeah, he's hitting balls. Or no, no, balls. no, man. They got a whole section for kids. Yeah. They got all the toddlers. They got all kinds of cool no, it's things. it's awesome. It's unbelievable. It's awesome for the kids. Yeah. And he goes right out on the field. He gets a bat. He gets a ball. He was doing great. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was pretty amazing. He definitely doesn't get that from my side of the family. I'll tell you. I got a question. So you didn't go in and sit at your seats at all? That's correct. For the whole game? I never saw the game. <laughs> you didn't go one time to your seats? I she went not. to an amusement park, but not the game. <laughs> so you play. Listen, I don't have a problem taking you know a little time out to let him play himself. But the idea is to go and watch the game and let him see how big the crowd is and well, get cotton candy scared. and hot dogs. We did the hot dogs. We did the hot water dogs. ice. Rita's water ice. How were the popular. hot dogs? Were the hot dogs good? It was fantastic. <laughs> Do they do cheesesteaks there too? They do cheesesteaks. They do uh, Philly pretzels, hoagies. Hoagies. Nobody and nobody around the, you know, nobody outside of the northeast. Our big talker in Philly. Knows what a Those are my is. Philly strong people. They know what I'm talking about. Can I just say something? What do you mean you didn't sit at the seats? I know. First of all, Liam is three. Did you get him cracker jacks? Did you get him uh, cotton candy? Yeah, I got him everything. Sang the song. All right, I made a mistake once. So I'm at the last time Mariana Rivera is pitching at Yankee Stadium, the night they win the World Series, right? It was my son's birthday. Who was that? And I'm there. That was the night that uh, Governor Patterson got in trouble for taking free tickets. And remember Randy Levine, who has been a friend of mine for years, used to work for Rudy. He hears me saying that I bought the tickets on StubHub. I'm not taking free tickets from anybody. I don't want free tickets. And so... Although some some of our concert friends have insisted that we come see them and then they drag us in. But I don't like free stuff. I refuse to ever ask anybody for anything free. It just is obnoxious to me. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm like, Randy, he goes, well, why didn't you just call me? He said, you just could have paid face value. And I said, Randy, I said, I'm not abusing our friendship that way. It's wrong. He goes, no, no, no. People do it all every second of every day. And I'm like, no, no, no. I just that's not how I roll. And by the way, I did pay a fortune for those tickets on StubHub. Where were they? Where did you sit? In the Legends section. Now, in the Legends section, what I, you know, because I don't go to many baseball games. Who has to, I don't have time for anything. I don't have time for golf. You know, you play golf, yeah, like uh, three times a year. I'll tell now. you one thing. I'm going to take up golf. Uh, remind me. I don't know why that's so funny. That remind me what state you're. All. Remind me that's what state. That's not something you want to do. Remind me what state you're going to be playing in. Can so we post I can, a video of that to have yeah, I have the clothes. I'm going to wear the clothes. The shoes, not so much, but I like the clothes. Well, you have to wear the shoes. You need spikes when you're on the. Golf you're not allowed to curse. I don't know if uh, Linda's yeah, aware of that. You know, you're not a country club. Course. Cursing is curse. a big spitting on the course. Spitting. That kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I don't spit. Hitting. You know, you're not allowed to hit people. <laughs> you know, I don't know. You you and the country club, I don't know if it's going to mix really well. Does it have to be a country club for me to play golf? No, there are, there are, no, that's a good question. Like, for example, Beth Page Black, which is one of the best courses in the country, is a public course. Pebble Beach is a public course. You know what? I'm going to make my own golf course. That's going to be my next uh, LLC. Okay. It'd be, yeah, yeah. And where are you going to get the millions and millions and millions to do that? I'm not sure. And we're going to get the money to water the lawn. It's going to be called Come As You Are. Linda Golf's here. <laughs> Linda, we'll call Linda Golf's here. Come as you are. Curse as you That's want. Right, spit baby. as you want. Fight all over the First place. First of all, I don't spit. Oh, you don't spit. I'm not denying anything else, but I don't spit. That's well, you are violent, especially if you've been drinking. Oh, thank you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are violent. I mean, that's all there is. There's no other word to describe it. You I'm know, when you start hitting innocent you. people after you've had a couple of drinks, it's it, it 
Sweet baby's laughing. Jason's laughing. Ethan's laughing. I tell you, laughing. you make me sound real good on the air. I'll tell you what. I'm not trying to make you sound good. I'm just telling people the truth. You I'm are not the trying to club. make you sound good. Did you, you got just hear that yourself? Part. <laughs> what the hell's the matter with you? So I actually used to be a halfway decent golfer, but then this guy came down an escalator and life changed rather dramatically. Yeah, I hear um, you. And our job is a little busier than it once was, but which I'm happy for, and the country's in a better position, but I'm in a fight every second of every, and you know how I say, you know, the media lies every second, every minute, every hour of every single day. That our lives are insane every second, every minute, every hour of every day. The truth. There's always something on the on the table, right? Dealing with this crowd, dealing with this crowd, dealing with this, dealing with, you know, big time. Hey, Jay, Houston, Texas, what's going on, baby? Big time, Sean Hannity. Hey, first yes, of sir. all, after watching the demise of the Democrat Party for the first half of last night, it was a joke to watch these idiots. And hey, it's going. Hey, it asks, uh, well, who won the debate? Trump. <laughs> we love everybody. Isn't that great? It. Isn't I that great? And, and who gonna pay for all the free stuff that they dishing out? And you uh, and me nah, and Linda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I, that's I all true. To, well, if they come to Linda, I'm pretty sure Linda, she can handle it. And I'm pretty sure I wouldn't want to hear the words come out of her mouth when she gets through with them. That's all right, AJ. I love you. You never need to worry. <laughs> Big time. You know and I know what I'm saying is true. And she, now that she's going to pick up, how do you say it again? You, first you were It's talking, golf. You were talking about golf. <laughs> what is golf? I don't know what, what does that mean? Call it, but I call it golf. Golf. What is golf? But you got to love the accent. By the I way, hey, hey, you got to say this. She's sitting for the interview at the big country club, uh, you know, where everyone wears pink and orange. And I'm so grateful we're coming up on a break. <laughs> and white pants. <laughs> and Linda, how you doing? Because my, my name's Linda. How the are you? You know? <laughs> God almighty, break, break, break. All right, big time. We love you, man. That's going to wrap things up for today. A great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Yes, we will lay out just how insane the Democrats are. We've got all the video. Ted Cruz, uh, our latest uh, developments as it relates to the deep state. Tom Fitton will join us. Larry Elder, Dan Bongino. We have Sean Spicer, Jason Chavitz, Sarah Gregg, and John Solomon. 9 Eastern tonight, Hannity, Fox, all the breaking news on the deep state and much more in the crazy Democrats.